and welcome to another episode of Knowing Me, Knowing You with Paula, where we learn more about ourselves and each other through the solo and guest episode knowledge, wisdom, and story shares, which is my favorite part in this lifestyle and education podcast. In this episode, you will meet Ganesh Venkataramnan, a software engineer, the vice president of pre-sales for global accounts at Aviva, and Ganesh leads a team of high-performing professionals who deliver innovative solutions to the world's leading industrial and engineering companies. Besides all of that, he is a husband, a dad. He is an author of a very interesting fictional book, which is an easy read. I did read the book entitled, Let Me Into Heaven. What particularly caught my eye when I first read about my guest is that he asks thought-provoking questions such as, what is the meaning of the second coming of Christ? And he also has profound perspectives to share on the topic, exploring how science and faith can coexist. That got me intrigued because sometimes science, scientists, and Jesus, the Bible, don't necessarily blend. In this conversation, Ganesh, a graduate from the prestigious Indian Institute of Technology, shares about his early days as an engineering student, becoming an immigrant to America from India. We get to hear all about his journey on how he went from growing up in the Hindu faith in India to becoming an atheist, his struggles as an atheist, to then the pivotal moments that led to Christianity. He shares about his blog. We talk about what and who caused the Big Bang. He talks about what Einstein called his biggest blunder. He shares his thoughts on human DNA and its glorious creation. We talk about survival of the fittest and the problems it causes. And as he is an author, we talk about his journey to becoming an author, to what you can expect to discover by reading his book, what questions does his book answer. He shares tips for soon-to-be or wannabe authors. I feel blessed Ganesh landed in my inbox. And we had a very insightful and thought-provoking conversation, filled with tons of laughter. And I do hope and think you will enjoy this episode too. If you know me well, you will know that I love to learn about people's perspectives on a wide range of topics. I like to meet people from all walks of life. I keep an open mind. And as this is what we are about here at KMKY, I hope you will enter this conversation the same way. As Oprah says, everyone has a story. And I love to not only meet, but share these people's stories with you. So let's meet Ganesh. Welcome to Knowing Me, Knowing You and the KMKY family. I'm so delighted to finally meet you face to face because we had a beautiful conversation, a long conversation by phone, and now we meet face to face. You are one of our newest members. So thank you for joining me today. Thank you, Paula. Thanks for having me on. Uh, like you said, we had a great conversation. So uh, I look forward to continuing this conversation, being part of your family, your community, and uh, uh, just enjoying our talk here. I would like to start with a quote. This quote came up on um, Instagram for me. I follow Eckhart uh, Tolle, or Tolle, and it says, gratitude for the present moment and the fullness of life now is true prosperity. 
Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, I was sitting there feeling so much gratitude for having met you and uh, you know, just meeting all my guests and having this opportunity to learn more about ourselves and each other through all the wisdom shares um, with thought leaders and people from around the world and, and all different walks of life. And so I was scrolling through Instagram and this popped up and I just thought this is such a beautiful way to start off our conversation today. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and, and thank you. And, you know, I will say for your listeners that uh, you had the most interesting questions when we talked. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm sure some of them will come up and I, I'm sure you have some in reserve that, uh, you know, will uh, be equally interesting. So uh, it should be fun. So. so as always, what I love to do, and I love to hear stories as well, and, and listeners love to hear stories, but we're also, besides our main topic that we're going to talk about, because you're also an author, and we're going to talk a little bit about your book and your journey becoming an author. But besides that, I would like to know a little more about Ganesh. So maybe you can share a little brief outline as you know about you and your life journey so far. Okay, let me give it a shot. Uh, <laughs> I'm an engineer, so talking about myself is not the easiest thing, but I'll give it a shot. Uh, so my, I am from India, an immigrant to the United States. Uh, got my undergraduate degree in chemical engineering from a university called the Indian Institute of Technology. The reason I tell you that is anyone who went there will tell you it is the greatest university in India, if not the world. And if you forget it, we'll remind you of that. So, so you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we're proud of ourselves out there. And then came in 1995, I moved to the United States to get my grad degree in chemical engineering. Then started work, moved to Houston, then started working in the oil industry, then started working in uh, software, and then started working uh, in in sales and sales leadership. I've always been a little bit of a nerd. I don't know if that's good or not, you know, uh, <laughs> and like digging into stuff and analyzing things and looking for rationality and sense and, you know, in, in what I observe. Uh, and so that along the way led me to where I started having questions about God and heaven and religion and belief systems and so on. Uh, but my background itself, as I said, is in, is in chemical engineering and perhaps math, if anything, you know, uh, loved it growing up as a kid and continue to love it. <laughs> I'm married now for 23 years. Uh, as, as I said, I am from India. My wife is not. Uh, she is from Malaysia. She's Chinese Malaysian. So I, I joke around and say, you know, I speak three languages. Uh, English being one of them. She speaks three languages, English being one of them, though our only common one is English. <laughs> uh, we have two kids. Uh, I have a son who's at the uh, University of Texas uh, studying engineering uh, and a daughter who's in high school. Uh, the joy of our lives, you know. And I love this that when you talk about being a nerd, so is the Big Bang Theory one of your favorite television programs? <laughs> Being a scientist? It should be. It should be. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not a TV watcher, you know, uh, but if I were to watch TV, that would be one. Yeah. <laughs> I had to ask that, you know. Because, right, of course, um, yeah. So I know that on the call, you had shared with me a journey that you'd had because you were brought up in a Hindu home with uh, the religion of Hinduism, right? That's correct, yes. You went on this journey of becoming an atheist. Right. And then now a Christian. Correct. So 
I'm very intrigued and curious to learn more about that journey. Yeah, so I grew up in a Hindu family. And uh, so the what I knew was uh, uh, the Hindu traditions, and uh, you know I would I don't know what percentage of India is Hindu, but over eighty percent I would assume, right? Uh, so most everyone I knew around me was Hindu. So I grew up in that culture. Really had a great childhood, great parents, and uh, uh, loved it. You know, as a kid, you know, a lot of people have all these problems when they had a kid. I'm thinking, I don't have any problems. Is that <laughs> is that a problem? You know, <laughs> so, right? Yeah. Uh, and then went to college and uh, in college became an atheist uh, because what I struggled with was uh, the rituals and the belief systems that I, I grew up with and uh, going to an engineering college where uh, virtually everybody around me was an atheist as well. Uh, and because, you know, such such was the nature of it, right? We had, we didn't see it. We didn't see the value of uh, believing in the in the religion and the belief systems that we grew up with. So I became an atheist and uh, though I always had these questions about, you know, what is the meaning of life? What is my purpose? Why am I here, right? There must be more to life than studying thermodynamics for the third time, right? Uh, so I was looking perhaps for a little bit more meaning. But again, I was 17 years old when I went to college. So, you know, it was a limited part of my focus, right? And uh, But it was certainly there, nagging at the back of my mind, perhaps. When I came to the U.S., for the first time, uh, I, uh, I walked into a university, I met a professor who was uh, brilliant and I was one of the uh, leading people in the area of origin of life. And the comment made about him was he is brilliant in his area and he's a Christian. And that really intrigued me to say, what, how is someone who's so scientific also religious, right? So it raised a question in my head and didn't think much of it just to say it's really odd, you know, why why would somebody would be like that? Uh, years later, I reached out to him and I became a Christian and told him that I was a Christian. And, and he when he visited Houston, he spent a day with me and, the, you know, hallmarks of my life because he was somebody who was a scientist, origin of life researcher, sitting in my home and have his undivided attention for four hours. And I just grilled with him questions. <laughs> <laughs> what about this? What about that? How does this work? How does that work? Right. But Christianity did it to me, and part of the attraction was I was able to ask questions, look for answers. It's not that I understood everything right then, but I expected to find answers. It was a question of uh, working my way to find that answer. And so I was looking for something more founded in truth and, and to be honest, founded in science. I wanted it to make scientific sense, right? And so for, uh, what uh, intrigued me was the, uh, uh, no one coerced me to be a Christian. I, I chose to become one because I found that it answered the basic questions of my heart. Right? Uh, creation of the universe, right? Or, or where did the universe come from? That actually resonates with me as well. Answering the basic questions of your heart, right? I had this nagging feeling and I was asking the same questions. Like there's got to be more to life than just waking up every day and you're doing stuff. Like, and and what is my purpose? Right. Like, why am I here? And then that was for about a year. I had this feeling I have to go back to church. I thought, you know what? I'm not going to question this. Right. I'm going to go with my intuition. Right. <laughs> we are forever growing and learning. Right. Yeah. See, that's a great point you make. Right. And uh, because I think there's a lot of people who feel this nagging feeling. Right. And uh, don't know how to address it. 
I don't think being successful in a career uh, addresses that nagging feeling, right? Yeah. I, I mean, I think it's great to be successful in our careers, but it's just that it doesn't address that specific nagging feeling. Yeah. Neither does money, ne- neither does war, the trappings of success, certainly, right? right? But it is about coming home. Uh, to me, that is what heaven is, right? Uh, in a, it, it is our real home. We are actually in a in a foreign place at this point. We are, we are immigrants <laughs> on earth, in a sense, <laughs> right? And but that is our home. That's why we always have this yearning that this is how the world should be. It should be fairer. It should be nicer. It should be um, prettier. It should it should be it should all the world is never perfect. We always look at it and say it should be a little bit better than it is. Because we're yes. yearning for that that place that does exist. Yeah. Uh, it is just, it's a journey to get there. Yeah. A lot of the times people have the same questions like you and I, but they're not too sure where to go because right. oftentimes religion is something that a lot of people have a little bit of a pushback with, right? right. Because I've had someone say to me, well, religion is about control. Right. I mean, I struggled with it as well. I wasn't looking for answers in religion, right? No, no, <laughs> it was the last was thing, right? Yeah. It's surprisingly where the answers came from. But yes. you know, I, to be honest, I didn't, I didn't. I wasn't thinking it of of it as religion. I was thinking of it as: Is there a God? If He exists, or she exists, or it exists, what is my relationship with Him? Right. If he's created the universe, perhaps he has something to say about why he created me as well <laughs> and what might my purpose be. Right. And it was a journey before I realized it is not that I needed to include God in my purpose. It is that I had to include myself in his purpose. There's a, there's a biblical verse in John uh, chapter 15 where it says, uh, Jesus says, remain in me. And I in you, then you will be fruitful. Without me, you can do nothing. And I think what I was pointing to was to say, when we remain in his purpose, then we are fruitful and actually do meaningful things. When it is our purpose, it's not worth much. And here is why it is not worth much. Any purpose we have is by definition limited in time. Right. Well, his purpose is eternal. It is is beyond time. It's beyond our lifetime. It's beyond that. Most things I would do on a daily basis has an impact, maybe through my lifetime, but often maybe for a week or a day. Right. Yes. So it's not very long. It's term. limited, right? Uh, finite in impact, finite in time. Right. And uh, an eternal purpose transcends. It's beyond me. It's not my purpose. Right. I, I'm part of a larger purpose. And so I think that uh, gives life meaning. And in that, we find our purpose. Now, I think we do have to go from the abstract purpose to what is a, what is a specific purpose, because then it gives us something to work on on a daily basis, you know. But I do think uh, the purpose transcends us. Sometimes it's possible to drown those thoughts by mindlessly watching TikTok or, you know, social media or scrolling and so on, because we're so busy with that, that we uh, drown out that small voice inside of us saying this, there must be more to the life than this, right? And there is more to life than that, right? Uh, But it requires uh, sometimes a level of self-reflection and digging in a little bit deeper to say, why do I feel like this? Uh, what is the origin of this? Uh, I think it is really a yearning for uh, something beyond us, right? Because it exists. That's why we yearn for it, we, right? Um, yeah. And, you know, when you talk about the, the questions of, is there a God? 
there's many questions that I always say to my husband, you know, when we're walking in the morning and, you know, we look at the trees and stuff. And I say to him, you know, it's incredible that something greater than us, first of all, created us human beings. Here we are walking. We have these lungs that can breathe. We have these organs. We have a heart that pumps blood around our body. Without our heart, dead, (laughs) right? And that we have eyes that we can see. And yet our eyes also have color and ears and nose to take oxygen into your lung. I said to him, that can't just happen haphazardly. And then you look at flowers. Right. How many different varieties of flowers are there right. in the world, right? The different colors and the different shapes of the petals of flowers. Something, yeah, got to be something greater than us. <laughs> right. You know, and, and you know, you're talking about the beauty in this, right? The beauty of the human body, the yeah. flowers, the animals. Yeah. I just wrote a blog about right. it, actually, right? Yes. And said, why do we find things beautiful? Right? Why is art beautiful? Uh, what What is the origin of this whole idea of beauty? Yeah. Right. I think it points to the fact that beauty comes out of the nature of God. Right. Mm-hmm. He is a creator. He's chosen to create so many different kinds of flowers, not just one kind of flower, and that's it. But apparently, the variety is something which delights him, and we are made in his image, so we enjoy that. Right. I think if you if we actually try to look at alternative uh, ways of explaining why is there beauty? Why do we appreciate beauty? It's a real struggle, you know, because if you look purely from a biological perspective, beauty means nothing. It has no survival purpose, right? So why do we uh, enjoy beauty so much? Why does it give us peace, a, a feeling which is hard to describe? I mean, there's not words to describe beauty sometimes, right? So points to something beyond science, and uh, and over time, I realized that a lot of things point to some things beyond science. Science is uh, limited in its ability to explain everything. It explains many things, certainly, right? But uh, not sure beauty is one of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. When I think of this and what you're saying here, I mean, to anyone that is listening and you're asking yourself, is there more to life? It's the self-reflection, right? Mm-hmm. To start right. actually self-reflecting looking at the origin of that and actually going within, right? And not going outside of you and numbing this question with what's outside, right? We are so distracted at the moment. I think we're in an age group though. um, We were very lucky to be born and brought up in a, in a very different time. (laughs) We didn't have cell phones, right? Those weren't the distractions. We were enjoying our time with our friends and Playing and getting out into nature, hanging out and stuff, right? But there's something I want to go back to, and that is being an immigrant, because you and I are are immigrants. Listeners will know that I've been an immigrant twice in my life, the first time at the age of 12, and uh, moving from Zimbabwe to South Africa. And then again, in 2002, I moved with my husband from South Africa to Canada. Right. And and I and I have an episode that's live. We spoke about community. So you and I both know that being immigrants, that's huge for us, community. When you leave what you know, right. Leave that all behind, your your family members, and you go to something new. It's pretty scary, right? 
Yeah, I, you know, so when we leave our communities in our country to, to come to another one, the, the US in my case, to, uh, for you to South Africa and to Canada, uh, we come here looking for something better, right? Yeah. We don't always define what that better is, but whatever it is, we are uh, hopeful that it is better in our new country than it was in the in our old country. Like you said, it, it is, it can be very scary. I, I remember... Uh, flying into Lubbock International Airport and someone sent some lady a girl came to pick me up because the Indian Association you know will pick you up if, yeah. if you don't have a ride and then and, and I, I don't know whose house I stayed for a few days before I found my own place right and so when you don't know anyone you're in a country which looks completely different uh, then it can be scary but I think it's tinged with hope as well saying it's something you walk through and overcome and then you're in this new life, right? So in, in one sense, we don't have a necessarily a support network here. In another sense, the broader community is our support network. You can rely on someone from time to time to help, right? Uh, but I also wanted to, I mean, I always, I enjoyed my time in India, but I, if that's the only thing I wanted to do, I would have stayed in India, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, so one of the things I wanted to do when I came here was also to get to know people who are outside of my immediate community. So there's beauty within the community, certainly, right? How we speak the same languages, we, we follow the same sports like cricket, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, and that's true. If you didn't say that, I would have said that to you. <laughs> right. uh, so, so there's great, I think, experiences within the community, but sometimes we uh, limit ourselves to the community and miss what we can experience outside of the community as well you know i am in a very lucky spot because as i told you my wife is uh malaysian chinese she's an immigrant as well but that's given me an opportunity to explore a different community right and get to know people from uh, other countries and other backgrounds and so on ultimately find uh, People generally are very similar, right? Yes. Uh, they come here looking for opportunities. The things which matter to them are very similar. It's their family, it's their kids, right? Uh, it's it's wanting to accomplish something. It's it's to find a purpose in life. Yeah. So there's a lot there's a lot more similarities between us than there are differences, right? There are of course differences. I am not saying those don't exist, but there's a lot of similarities as well, you know. And yes. uh, yeah, that's something to enjoy. Yeah. I mean, what we have is in common is we are strangers in a strange land, in a, in a sense, right? as Paul Simon might say. So, you know, it's yeah. The, the only issue with Canadians and Americans is they haven't got on to cricket yet. So we got to change exactly. that. Yeah. It needs to be rugby and cricket. Exactly. I'm not sure about rugby, but cricket. Certainly. <laughs> For sure. So I'd love to move on because you have become an author and you wrote a book, Let Me Into Heaven, which I have read. I had to go, you know, speed through it um, because I thought I can't talk to you without having saying that, yes, I've read the book. Yeah, it was very interesting. But I'd love to know what was the catalyst or the reason for writing the book? Right. That's a great question. You know, as a Christian, I heard a lot about eternal rewards and heaven being the eternal reward and so on. But I had no concept of what heaven actually was like or is like. And uh, if you ask most Christians, what is heaven like? The answer you will get is, sounds like a really long church service. 
right? Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> that's all we know, right? That's all we do exactly, every right? Sunday. Yeah. 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 And, and I like music, but 20 minutes, not, <laughs> not forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. But then what next? Do we have bodies in heaven? Do we eat in heaven? Do we play cricket in heaven? Right? I mean, what is it like? Uh, what is this eternal reward? And so most people struggle to articulate that. And I didn't know myself either, you know. So I went on a journey to understand what is heaven like. And I specifically wanted to understand as a Christian, what does it mean by Christ, the second coming of Christ, that Christ yes. actually coming back, right? So uh, somewhere in my blood is some project management blood. So I wanted to understand timelines, you know, what happens first, what happens second, what happens third, you know, uh, just to piece it together in my head. Okay, I understand how this works. I, I mean, the curse of being an engineer is you got to understand everything. Yes. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but I can't help it. That's how I'm made. So, yes. uh, you know, I'll, I'll go and figure it out. And as I did that, I had to do it multiple times and finally ended up taking some notes saying, I never again want to go ask the same question because I've let me write it out so it's clear to me. And then I realized I wasn't the only one asking these questions, right? Yeah. Uh, most people have this question. They just don't ask it out loud maybe, or they assume yes. some, somewhere there is an answer or in, in, in due time, I will know what the answer is. But for now, I will just go with the idea of the eternal rewards, right? So I said, you know, okay, I'm going to write this. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm ready to write a book on theology. So I'm going to write it as a conversation, right? I am always curious about conversations. I love conversations, which is kind of what we're doing now, right? It's an exchange of ideas. It's It, it makes us both think of things we've not thought about before, right? So I decided I would write it as a conversation to see how it goes. Now, you know, English is not my first language, so I, I wasn't sure how good of a book it would turn out. So, but I was just writing it down and see what happens after that. Somewhere along the way, I realized I could publish it as a book. Uh, there was a process and I understood how to do that. And and uh, then said, okay, I'm going to write a book. Wouldn't it be cool to write a book and see, you know, if I can uh, make it uh, something fun for people to read, but based on what I hope is biblical truth. It's not my idea, but it's based yes. on biblical truth. It's just uh, colored with a f fictional story around it. Yes. And there's three characters in the book, three friends, right? <laughs> Correct. So there's three computer scientists who have real questions and like a lot of analytical people uh, want answers, uh, which makes sense and not just something say, believe it just because I said, go believe it. Uh, even if it's faith, I want it to be reasonable faith. I want it to be based on a foundation of truth and not uh, just a total leap in darkness, right? I'm not great at naming characters, so I call them Tom, Dick and Harry. <laughs> I, I laughed at that when I read out. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> I thought you've got a very good sense of humor, which I love. And having a good sense of humor is so good for us, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I, part of me has wondered, does God have a sense of humor? Right? Does he, he laugh? Does. Yeah. <laughs> He must, you know, because uh, he brought my wife and me together. And when we're so different in every which, th anything we look at, we look at it with such different perspectives. Right? Well, he gave like, us a sense of humor, right, as a characteristic that we can use in our lives to level up our lives, right, and to yeah, simplify yeah. our life and to bring ease to our life and de-stress us. So I think he does have a sense of humor. And he's only given it to us too, I think. You know, I mean, I don't know if... Uh, 
do animals have a sense of humor? I, yeah, I don't I think. Doubt, I doubt it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think a butterfly has a sense of humor. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> so your book, what questions does it answer, do you think? So, you know, one question I explored is what is the timeline for uh, the second coming of Christ, right? Uh, there is a rapture, there's a millennium, there is even judgment. And how does that all happen? When does it all happen? And while no one knows exact dates, like no one knows if it's tomorrow or next week or a yeah. billion years from now, uh, there's certainly a schedule, uh, a time of events. Well, that's the first thing I wanted to explore. The second thing explored, and this is pure, definitely for the analytical mm-hmm. folks. If someone asked me a question, why do you believe in God? Yeah. Right. What would be the basis of my answer? Mm-hmm. Right. And people have lots of different answers. The tip- most common answer you'll hear is this is what my family believed in and this is what I believed in. Right. But I had kind of already moved away from that when I became an atheist. So I was looking for something more founded in truth and, and to be honest, founded in science. I wanted it to make scientific sense. Right. And so for, uh, what uh, intrigued me was the uh, creation of the universe, right? Or, or where did the universe come from, right? Mm-hmm. It's a really interesting story about how, you know, people thought the universe has always been around, right? Uh, the, the only ones who disagreed with that view is, you know, uh, Jews and Christians, uh, where, because the first uh, sentence in the Bible is in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth which says there's a beginning in time, right? And it wasn't until Einstein proposed his general theory of relativity and which uh, he had to fudge his physics to keep the universe at a constant size. And and others started to point out over a 10-year period, they actually pointed an expanding universe. Uh, and he hated the theological implications of it. He later called it his biggest blunder. But uh, because, you know, if the universe is expanding, then you go back in time at some point, it was a singularity. It's it's a dot. It's, it's less than a dot. There's nothing, yes. right? Then it begs the question, how did it start off? Because nothing existed before that. Right. There's a, there's a finite time in the past when things were created, when things came into existence. Right. How did that happen? And so here's my analogy. This here is a little bang. What caused the little bang was me slapping the table with my hand. Well, what caused the big bang? Yeah. I think if we say nothing, it just happened on its own. That's not a satisfactory explanation. No, right? not satisfactory right? for me <laughs> yeah. or, or me. Right. And so. The little bang was because I, a free mind, chose to slap my hand on the table. I could have chosen not to, but I chose to do that. My opinion, then Big Bang points to an intelligent mind who had the choice to create or not to create and chose to create the universe and set it off in motion. So I think the uh, the beginning of the universe is strong uh, evidence for a creator. It's true of the uh, beginning of life as well. What is the origin of life? What is the origin of information in the DNA. Uh, we think we have a 26 uh, letter alphabet. The DNA has a four letter alphabet and there's a whole story written on each strand of DNA. The only source of information we've ever seen is an intelligent mind. So for example, if I if, if there is a blank canvas in my room, yes. right? And I leave my room, come back two hours later, and I see a masterpiece on that blank canvas, right? 
something recognizable. I'm not talking about modern art where we don't know what it means, but <laughs> something. You have to step back a couple of times go, I'm not quite sure what that is. <laughs> right. But something recognizable, even it could be symbolic, but something recognizable could be, let's say it's a Mona Lisa. I can infer from that that an artist had come and painted on that canvas. I don't need to see the artist to know that there was an artist. Yes. Right. And the DNA is like that. It's a work of art. And you look at that and say, where did this come from? And now if it's a bunch of squiggly lines on the canvas, I could say it happened randomly. Right. But not when it's something recognizable as a masterpiece. Right. So and that's so when you start going through all of that, you say there is a scientific basis to infer that there was an intelligent mind who created these things. And so that was one of the questions that I explored and I hope answered in the book. I mean, I must say to to anyone that's listening to this is it's always important to be curious in your life about everything. Don't say no before you've taken that step to just have a look, right? right. Because we get so, that's what keeps us stuck. Right. So explore uh, your book and what you shared now and really got me thinking and looking at life and humanity and, and humans very differently. Right. It really is very thought provoking. If there's mm. anything for, well, for me, my experience was it gave, your book gave me a lot to think about. It was a lot That's, of ahas and, and a lot more to really think about and really digest on, right? Which I'm still digesting now. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and and if it did that, then it served its purpose, right? Uh, because my goal was not as much to provide answers as to give great questions to think about with yes. some ideas on how an answer might be. But that's not to say that's the right answer. Everybody has to go on the journey to understand that answer and internalize it and say, okay, does this uh, satisfy me? Is this answer reasonable? Right. So that's why I think it's a personal journey. And so uh, if it helped ask the right questions, then I think, uh, yeah, it fulfilled its purpose. Yeah. So, so if someone doesn't believe in God and I've, I've been in the shows for many years. Right. Yes. So I, I, I understand it and, and I sympathize with it, to be honest. Right. And so the, the, the question they'll have to struggle with because, you know, I struggle with it is why then don't I subscribe to the survival of the fittest and go against all of these things in terms of kindness and goodness, right? If I was a scientist writing a, uh, doing research, uh, do I look for the truth or do I look for what gets me the university grant and more money flowing in? If it was survival of the fittest, why should I look at the truth? I should actually look for what will help me survive. And if it's not the truth, then I should go in that direction, right? <laughs> Uh, they, I'm not saying people do it. I'm just no. saying if they don't do it, why don't they do it? They should do it because it's right. consistent with survival of the fittest, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, I think when you, uh, and that causes a problem, obviously. We all see the problem that survival of the fittest uh, causes because as long as we are the fittest, that's fine. But we're not always going to be the fittest. And then what if somebody is fitter than us? We subscribe to the idea then that they should get rid of us because we are not the fittest, right? Yeah. And, and obviously it causes problems. So I think uh, those are the kind of things as an atheist I struggled with and anybody looking at it from that perspective will struggle with, I think. Yeah, yeah. So as a writer, your journey and becoming an author, I mean, that is certainly a process. <laughs> yes. What was that process like? Do you suffer from writer's block or 
you know, had you had lots of journals that you could pull from, scheduling your writing time? Like most things, it was surprisingly prosaic, you know. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I think the heavens didn't open up and I didn't feel this huge inspiration to say, you know, write this uh, perfect thing down, right? It, it, was, uh, it was work. It was uh, discipline. What I, I actually found it easier to say, let me put aside 15 minutes every day and write something, right? Whatever it is, right? Uh, I tried to say, let me put aside two hours every day and write and found out I never had two hours. So after the second day, I quit trying to write, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I I found, let me put aside 15 minutes. Then it would go, it would become longer organically, you know, but I, I couldn't find huge amounts of time to do stuff. I had to take the small amounts of time I had and do things. I had to write and rewrite and rewrite, which I hate doing. But, you know, every time I went back and read something, I'd find typos, I'd find mistakes. I had to learn not to be too critical of myself, right? And uh, I had to uh, rewrite sentences. I had to rewrite paragraphs. And then I got an editor, a girl named Jessica, who was finishing up her senior year at that point as an English major. And, and she was great for me because she gave me a view into the book that I didn't have myself yes. because she thought about feelings of people while I thought about how do they think? How do my characters think? And she thought about how do they feel, yeah. right? And uh, engineers have very few feelings. You know? I'm married to an engineer, okay. so I understand. <laughs> But she was right, you know, she was right to say this character would never feel like this. And it's like, wow, you know, and so, but having an editor uh, made me uh, accountable to someone else to get things yes. done on time uh, and uh, not get to feel too personal when she edited something and say, you know, change this, change that, etc. Yeah, That's why I needed her as an editor, right? Yes. It, it was not yes. my core competency. I needed somebody who was better at it than I was. I had to rewrite chapters, right? And thought, uh, so, it, you know, the thing with writing a book or really anything people may consider doing is it's going to take longer than you think it's going to take. Yes. It's going to be harder than you think it's going to be. You know, once you finish the work, nobody remembers the pain and nobody remembers, you know, uh, how often you had to uh, change words and sentences around. It's like, okay, I got what I want out there. Uh, looking back, I would have probably spent more time polishing some things up, right? But I hadn't done it before. So, you know, next time I would do that. So, you know, I take away some learnings from that. Right. Yeah, I was going to say it definitely would have been a learning experience, right? And, you know, 80% is good, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we have right. to learn that. That's what I'm learning, right? Because I'm a terrible perfectionist. It can be a little OCD and I'm really starting to go, this is good enough. It's right. fine. Everyone else will think it's absolutely fantastic. I'm the only one who's judging myself and my own yeah. work, right? Yeah, and yeah, I don't yeah. see any polishing up. I think your book was great. It really yeah, was very yeah. thought-provoking, right? Yeah. So yeah. tips for anyone that's writing a book, for anyone who wants to write a book or be an author, but they keep not doing it. There's a couple of things. One is I would set aside small periods of time every day to write rather than large periods of time. You can find someone account to be accountable to. That's great. I struggled with the idea of should I start at the beginning and write to the end? Should I start at the end and write backwards <laughs> to the beginning? <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, I didn't know anybody who was an author, so I didn't know what was the right way yeah. to write. I realized that what worked for me 
right? Is I start at the beginning and move forwards. Then I start at the end and move backwards. And then somewhere along the way, I hope they meet somewhere in the middle. <laughs> Tom, Dick and Harry meet in the middle. <laughs> right. And, uh, and if they don't meet in the middle and they cross each other, then we've got to make corrections, yeah. right? And uh, But that's part of the process. If we look at corrections as being part of the writing process and not a mistake to be corrected, then that's a different attitude to it and say, that's how things work. Nobody's ever written a book from start to finish without uh, having to, you know, change things out multiple times. So, and I won't be the first one to do it either, you know. Yeah. Right. And then also get yourself and which is a normal process, an editor and someone that can really help you as well. Right. Tighten things up, clean things up, your grammar and everything else. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I didn't know where to put the commas and the quotes and, yeah. you know, does it come after the quotes? Does it come before <laughs> the quotes? I know I learned this. I don't know if you remember, there was a book called Ren and Martin when I was growing up on grammar, you know, it was, uh, yeah. uh, and my mom made me read this. And I'm sure somewhere in Ren and Martin, there was a there was the right way to do it, but I don't remember what it is, you know. Yeah. And uh, so I, I think it is very important to focus on our core competencies. What is yeah. it that only I can do that nobody else can do? Well, only I can write this book, but someone else can help me with editing. Someone else can help me with marketing. Someone else can maintain my website. I can learn all of those things, but uh, then I won't write the book because I don't have the time to do that. (laughs) So I had to pick what I'm going to do and what I can get other people to do. And sometimes it costs money, right? And uh, then it's like, well, do I want to spend the money to do it? Well, that's a decision each person has to make. But uh, in my opinion, we should focus on what we are, our core competency is. Yeah. Yeah. So what is next for Ganesh, uh, do you have any other new books in the works or anything like that? And, and, and if people have questions, again, you know, if they can, they can go to my website and ask me questions. It's uh, letmeintoheaven.com. Yes. It's not that I have a service or anything. I mean, it's just, you know, if people, somebody has a question, I'm there to help them on the journey that I was on. Right. Uh, so I see that. Uh, the presence of God in virtually any field will have a very positive impact and, and his absence can have a very detrimental effect as well. Yeah. So I, so my goal is to share that joy, that gift that I received with others, help them look at it through the eyes of science and other ways that they are used to looking at it. So, so it, it resonates with them and, and walk that journey. That's the primary uh, uh, walk I'm on, on today. at the moment. So it's yes. let me into heaven dot com and that Correct. will be a clickable link in the show notes for everybody as well. All your connection details will be there. So sadly we're going to have to start ending this beautiful conversation because I think we could talk for hours. This has been phenomenal. You've imparted such beautiful words of wisdom and given us lots to think about. I really appreciate you and your time. Thank you, Paula. I, I think uh, it's been a great experience for me. And that's because of how uh, you led me through this process. So I appreciate what you're doing. I appreciate the time you've given me. Thanks for your listeners. And, and hopefully it adds something of value to them. Thank you. Well, listeners, we have come to the end of this thought-provoking episode. Dependent on when you're tuning into this episode, I may have already released my bonus episode with Ganesh. If it is not live yet, then stay tuned as it will be out shortly. So I recommend you follow the podcast so that you will be notified of new episode releases. And if you enjoyed this episode, then I guarantee you will enjoy the bonus episode. So what were my takeaways? 
If you are feeling unfulfilled, thinking there has to be more to life, if you are asking yourself the same questions Ganesh asked himself, what is the meaning of life? What is my purpose? Is there really a God? And if there is a God, what is his purpose for me? Is there really a heaven? Ganesh shared that it is important to seek the answers. Turn over every stone. Don't just ask yourself and wonder about those questions. And don't forget that spending time in silence, in reflection, self-reflection are important. And this will help point you in the right direction. Ask yourself, why am I feeling like this? And what is the origin of this? As there may be a gentle whisper that you are choosing to ignore. Stop. Be still. Listen to the gentle whisper. Be curious. Keep an open heart and mind. Expand your mind and your world. Seek and you shall find. Don't forget to share this episode with friends and family. Do give us some love on our social feeds and right here on the podcast. We love your reviews. And there are some great links, including Ganesha's, for you in the show notes. Thanks for tuning in. Goodbye for now.